Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Well, good morning. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And if you haven't downloaded the Bible app yet, it is a great app to have. It's free and it doesn't just have the notes and scripture, which if you click on the more tab, go to events, Life Church Green Bay will be there. It doesn't just have that. It has devotionals. It has videos. It has Bible memory plans. It's a great app. They should charge you for it but they don't, and I'm thankful for that. But if you want a physical Bible, you can also go to our Welcome Center on your way out, and we'd love to give you one for free. If you are watching online, I love that you're here. I love that you're watching, and I love that you guys are here as we continue in this series called Christmas Foretold. Last week, Pastor Sean did such a great job just really showing that the Christmas story isn't just in the Gospels but it's actually prophesied in the Old Testament. It's reflected on in in the New Testament. It's all over the Bible. And today we're gonna continue doing that, going into the Old Testament and also going into the New Testament, showing how big the Christmas story is. So let's jump to 1 Corinthians chapter one. I'm gonna start reading in verse 26. This is the New Living Translation. It says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one could ever boast in the presence of God. The title of my message this morning is called Location is Everything. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that every year we can just remember and reflect you coming to this earth and you doing everything we needed to be close to God. Thank you in this Christmas season that we can see that you are all over the Bible, that you're all over every situation and every asset. So Lord, I pray that as we're going through this message that people would not just hear the word, They'd be challenged with the word and they would take the word out of this church and into their world in Jesus name. Amen. So March 10th will mark eight years that the Cox family has been in Green Bay and at Life Church. Yeah. It's the longest I've been at a church and I love it. And I remember when we were like praying, like, God, are you calling us here? When Pastor Sean and Sonny, you know, offered us a job and we were praying every day and and we were fasting and and we were just like, we we were excited. And I mean, Green Bay got brought up in every conversation. We brought Wisconsin. We just kept talking about it. And finally, we just looked at each other and said, I think God's calling us to Green Bay. I, can I tell you, there was actually one time, don't do this. This was really dumb. And I think God like really scared me for a moment, but the San Diego Chargers were playing the Packers during this prayer time. And I was like, God, I'll know where you're sending me on who wins this game. <laughs> now this is the San Diego Chargers. This was like Phil Rivers era. So I was like, and you know what happened that game? The Chargers had the lead until the fourth quarter. 
And I remember going, God, I was just kidding. I'm just kidding, God. But the funny thing was, we felt ready. We felt like we're, we are ready to go. And our kids were young at the time. Our twins were only one year old. And Kennedy, our oldest, was about to be six. So in our minds, they're good. Like, they're going to love it. We're going to just say, hey, we're going on a new adventure. Buckle up, let's go. And, you know, the twins were fine. But we found out that Kennedy was not fine with it. She said, what? We're moving? Where? Where is that? I've never heard of Green Bay, Wisconsin. And she was not happy. She, said, she even said at one point, she goes, I'm not leaving. And I go, well, you're going to have to. I don't know if you figured out the independent thing yet. And I mean, it was one of those things where she was like not happy with us. And so like week after week, we're trying to convince her how great it's going to be to move to Wisconsin. We'd go, hey, Kennedy, you know what's great about Wisconsin? They have this really cool kids ministry. It's the coolest kids ministry in the whole world. You're going to love it. And there'd be days where like, hey, Kennedy, in Wisconsin, they have four seasons. In fact, there's going to be a season where you can open up your window and snow is going to fall from the sky. We're going to be able to do snow angels and build snowmen. It's going to be so great. Kennedy, there is a football team right down the street. The building is huge. You're going to love it. I remember one time she just looked at me and said, Dad, I just need Wisconsin to have two things, Chick-fil-A and Disneyland. Well, at the time we had neither. I said, all right, well, here's what I can tell you. Green Bay has got Culver's and Bay Beach. <laughs> and so we move here and the first place we eat, we go to Culver's. And we're, and we're like, hey, and she goes, what's cheese curds? I was like, oh, you're gonna love them. And she did, she's like, che like she ate a bunch of them. She's like, cheese curds are great. Like she loved it. So the Culver's check, she's like, it's not as good as Chick-fil-A. And, and I said, yeah, yeah, I know, I get it. But you know, it's, it's good enough. And then we took her to Bay Beach. Now I need you to understand, she was young. She understands now, she was a Disney girl. So like, please give her some grace. Don't give her an ugly look when you see her. But I remember we're going towards Bay Beach and you get on that bridge and you, you could see the water tower, you could see the roller coaster. I go, there it is. And she just kind of looked at it. She didn't say anything. We get close, I go, look at all those rides. It's pretty great, right? And she's like, you know, she's like, like she's rubbing her eyes. Like, like am I seeing what he's seeing? You know, and, and then finally <laughs> we get to the parking lot and she just starts crying. She goes, this is nothing like Disneyland, <laughs> nothing. And like that story, I, I think the Christmas story is, is about location too. In fact, in Matthew chapter two, we, we see them talk about a location. So Matthew chapter two, I'm gonna start reading verse one. And this is in the New King James. It says, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. All right, I gotta stop right there. Cause in those two verses, there's like so much that we gotta unpack real quick. So like the first thing, let's talk about the wise men from the east. We, you know, we have the song three kings. We, you know, here's the thing. They, we don't even know if it's three. Could have been 12. It could have been one. I, they don't know, but they just know where some wise men. And the East, when you study it, Jewish scholars will believe that when scripture says the East, unless it adds something to it, the East means Babylon. 
which would make sense because Babylonians and cantors, magicians, sorcerers, astrologers were called magi and wise men. We see that in the book of Daniel, which then would make sense why they're looking for the star because Babylonian astrologers study the sun, the moon, and the stars. But why this star? Like some people believe, well, maybe plants collided, maybe it was a comet, but what made them go, we have to follow the star? Well, it's probably possible that these wise men were exiles from Israel because they would know what their people read. They would know the scrolls. They would know the book of Numbers, Numbers 24 in verse 17, which says, I see him, but not here and now, I perceive him. But far in the distant future, a star will rise from Jacob. A scepter will emerge from Israel. So here we see these wise men believing a promise of a scepter. And a scepter is what a king would hold. And it would emerge when a star would rise from Jacob. So they go to Jerusalem. Now, why do they go to Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem is the capital. And in the capital, you would have the government and you would have the king. So if they're looking for the king, it has to be in Jerusalem. Because location is everything, right? Like the value of location is huge. But let's go to verse three. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Now this is also a prophecy from the prophet Micah. Micah chapter five, verse two and three, it says, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah. Yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. Verse three says, the people of Israel will be abandoned to their enemies until the woman in labor gives birth. Sound familiar? Then at last, with his fellow countrymen, they will return from exile to their own town. So it's talking about the Babylonians. It's talking about people like the wise men saying, we're bringing them back. And that king would come and bring them back to their land. But it didn't happen in the capital. It didn't happen in a place that would be considered significant. In fact, it happens in a place that's considered insignificant. Because Bethlehem, if you do some history, it's a city that was so insignificant, it's not mentioned in cartography of the book of Joshua or in Micah's catalog. In fact, the only thing he, he says about it in verse five is the only thing. He doesn't bring it up in the Judah's cities of defense. So this insignificant city was used by God to bring in the savior of the world because God is in the business of bringing significant things out of insignificant places. I mean, that should get you excited where you live, right? Because I've been here eight years. I've heard it all. I've heard people say, Green Bay doesn't deserve a football team. If they didn't have that whole, you know, a bunch of people owner thing, they wouldn't be here. They'd be gone. But you know what? God is in the business of doing significant things in insignificant places. I've heard year after year, well, we made the list again. We're one of the drunkest cities and that's all we'll ever be, a drunk city. There's no point in even talking about anything else. You could pack up your churches. All we are is gonna be a drunk city. But God is in the business of doing significant things in insignificant places. 
Like you have to understand that people will say nothing good comes out of Green Bay. I've had pastors tell me that. Don't try to do a move of God here. It's not going to work. Nah, they don't, they don't like to work. They're, they're, nah, they don't like to do that stuff. But then I read this scripture and reminded, no, no, no. I serve a God who does significant things in insignificant places. And I believe people are going to come here, not move from here. I believe the move of God is going to happen in our insignificant city because God is all about that. Oh, you want to say that God can't move there? Watch. Watch what I'm going to do in your insignificant city. That's what 1 Corinthians is all about. Verse 28, it says it. God chose things despised by the world. Things counted as nothing at all and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. If anyone's ever told you you live in a, in, in a bad place, know God's up to something good. If anyone's ever said you should pack up and go, say, I'm staying because a move of God is happening because God is in the business of doing significant things in insignificant places. Do you smell that? I smell parallel. Can you go to First Samuel real quick? <laughs> I knew that joke was going to land with like only five of you. First Samuel 16. If you're going there uh, digitally or by paper, let me just kind of catch you up. So First Samuel is a story of Samuel anointing Saul as king. But then Saul kind of disobeys God. And, and he tells uh, Samuel, I need you to anoint another king. And he's going to be in the line of Jesse. And so he connects with Jesse and Jesse gets all his boys front and center. And then we get to verse six, where it says, when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Sound familiar? The wise men went to Jerusalem because surely the king must be here. Which side note, if I was Eliab, I would be like, like, thank you so much. Like if a guy looked at you and was like, surely this is the Lord's anointed. You're like, cool. And then God says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge on his appearance or height for I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So the, the scripture shows Samuel goes on and on and He's like, this one? And God's like, nope. He goes, this one? He goes, nope. Then finally, verse 11, it says, then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, well, they're still the youngest, but he's, he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. I love this. For we will not sit down to eat until he arrives. You know, one person was like, come on. <laughs> but he, but he, it's funny. Like Samuel's like, this is all you got? And he's like, I got one in the back. But, but in Jesse's eyes, I mean, David can't be the one God's going to choose. I mean, look at him. He's little, he's scrawny. There's no way God's going to use him. Same with King Herod. They said that King Herod and Jerusalem were shocked. Like, you're not talking about this king? There's a king that's going to be born and it's not in Jerusalem? Where is it? Where is he going to be? And then verse 12 of 1 Samuel 16, we see this. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. I love that. Because just like God's in the business of doing significant things in insignificant places, he's also in the business of bringing significant things to have insignificant people. So if you think you're not good enough, you're more than enough for God. Here's what I can tell you. If you think you deserve your present because your past, God says, I got a future for you. Because God is all about doing significant things and insignificant people. 
You have to remember, God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. He's all about going, oh, you don't think you're good enough? You're more than enough. I'll take you and I'm gonna run with it. And I'm gonna do something in your life that's gonna make no sense. So people are gonna go, there must be a God because of what's happening in his life, what's happened to her. I knew her before. I knew the way she acted. I remember there was this video that used to come out. They, they took a Bethel song. They said, the enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said he was mine. I loved watching those videos because they'd show a video of, of a person before Jesus and after Jesus. And a lot of times they looked like totally different people. And God was like, yeah. And I always think about the friends of the before who have to see the friend after and go, wow, that makes no sense. That's crazy. What happened? Well, God's just in the business of doing significant things and insignificant people. And he wants to equip you. And I'm here to tell you, in the Christmas story, I believe that God wants to tell some of you that 2023 is gonna be the last year you feel insignificant. And every time you do feel insignificant, God's gonna say, I have a plan for you. I have a place for you. Don't be shy, don't be timid. Don't think you can do any, I, I can't get involved here. I, I can't do that. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. I, you don't understand my past. God's like, I don't care about your past. That's why I brought Jesus. That's what makes the Christmas story even more powerful is that I brought Jesus in an insignificant place to do something so significant that the world, the entire world would be affected by it. If God can do that in him, why can't he do something in you? I wanna close with this. I wanna close with a question. A question of what would have happened if the wise men didn't go to Bethlehem? Like what if they were in Jerusalem and they're like, he's not here. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Like what if they looked at each other and said, you know what, maybe we should go back, check the specs. Let's redo our work, let's do the math. Like, do we carry the one there? Like, maybe we should go back, maybe we shouldn't go. Like what would have happened if they turned around and went back to Babylon? What, what would have happened? Well, we see it in Matthew chapter two. In verse nine, it says that they saw the star and it stopped on the top of Jesus' home. In verse 10, it says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down to worship him. And they opened their treasures and they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I believe if they didn't do what God said, if they did believe that God can't bring something significant out of an insignificant place, then they would have missed out on a prophecy being fulfilled that brought them great joy. I mean, think about the years and years they've read this and they've heard this and they've heard their grandfathers and great-grandfathers talk about there's gonna be a day where he's gonna come and he's gonna bring us back home. There's gonna be a day we're gonna walk in freedom again. It's coming. But what if they said, I don't know. I mean, they were like, they were like spiritual astronauts. They got to land on something no one landed on before. They got to see the, the Jesus, the, the prophecy fulfilled that brought them joy. He's here. Here's what I love and here's what I believe. The reason it brought them joy is because God says, this is the one. He is the anointed. I mean, if they did believe it, then they wouldn't have an opportunity to meet the Messiah that would cause them to get on their knees and worship. There was something powerful about meeting Jesus, and I'm so glad that they didn't listen 
to Herod. I'm so glad that they didn't listen to the skeptics. I'm so glad they didn't listen to even maybe their own uh, thoughts and they went anyways and they had a moment that has changed everything. And, and I love the gifts that they give them because gold represents a king, frankincense, a God and myrrh that he would be the sacrifice, but he would overcome death. And I wonder how many of us have missed out on God moments because we didn't believe God could do something significant in us or where we're at. I mean, how many of us have moved away and thinking that God can't do anything here and God said, if you just wanna stay a little longer. How many of us have, have, have constantly turned our backs on an opportunity to do something radical because we said, God can't use me. But when we surrender to the, all that God is in our lives, God can do more than we think is impossible. And I'm here to tell you, don't let another week go by where you don't experience a God moment that will bring you to your knees in worship. Don't miss out on a God moment that will bring you great joy no matter the circumstance you're in. Because I know you might be in an insignificant state or you might feel like you're in an insignificant place, but God is in the business of bringing something significant out of it. And that's why he chose Bethlehem. Bethlehem wasn't a mistake. If you read in the book of Luke, they're, they were in a different place and, and all of a sudden God goes, I think we should have a census right now that causes Joseph to go to Bethlehem. So it wasn't an accident. It wasn't like God was like, how did he land in Bethlehem? No, he knew he had to do it because when I bet when that prophecy was written, people were like, Bethlehem? That prophecy is never getting fulfilled because there's no way a God would birth a king in a place like Bethlehem. Watch Watch God do something that makes no sense. I've been saying that phrase a lot lately. It doesn't make sense, so it must be God. And I believe this week some of you are gonna say the same thing. This doesn't make sense what God's doing in my life. This doesn't make sense what God's speaking to me about. This doesn't make sense the opportunities are coming. It makes no sense, so it must be God. And that's what it's all about. That's what 1 Corinthians is all about. 1 Corinthians is like, no, no, no. I'm in the business of doing the opposite of what you think is gonna happen. And that's why he chose Bethlehem because location is everything. Can I pray with you? Here's a, here's a great thing about God is God wants to do a significant thing in your life, but he won't try to convince or coerce. He wants to get in a place where he, you just invite him in. And that's what salvation is. Salvation is realizing you have sinned and that sin is gonna to lead to death. The scripture says that sin separates us from God. God's a perfect God, he's a holy God and we need him to stay that way. But he knew there had to be another way and that's why he gave us Jesus. He gave us Jesus to be that sacrifice, a person who did not sin, to be the sacrifice for our lives. And all we have to do is welcome him in. Say, you know what God, I wanna have a relationship with you. I want you to be my Lord and I want you to be my savior. Lord, I mean, I just wanna give you control. At this point in my life, I've done everything my way. So I wanna try your way. And savior meaning I, I wanna, I, I don't wanna live in guilt and shame anymore. I wanna live in the freedom that you have for me. So I, I'm, I'm surrendering to you and I'm asking you to be the savior of my life. If that's you with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, why? Because I want you to have a one-on-one -on -one moment with God. I want you to be real and honest. This is going beyond just believing. This is, God is my heart right. Do I have a relationship with you? If you don't, we're gonna do one of two things. In a moment, I'm just gonna have you raise your hand and look at me. 
And then together as a church, so you're not alone, we're just gonna say a prayer. There's nothing magical about this prayer, I wrote it down. But if you say it from your heart, if every word you say, you believe it and you're, and you're walking in it, the Bible says you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new will begin. So if that's you, with no one looking around, you say, you know what? I want today to be the day I give my life to Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. Can I just have you raise your hand and look at me real quick? Thank you, 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 yep, thank you, thank you, love it, thank you. Anyone else? Awesome. Church, can we just say this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I give you my life to do whatever you need to do. And I welcome you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said it for the first time, I, I don't want you to think that, like, that God's just going to give you all the knowledge and all the understanding and all the power. This is just step one of what we call our Jesus journey. You are becoming a Jesus follower and we wanna help you with that. In fact, we have a, a bunch of things we'd love to help with you, especially today. If you wanna to go to our Welcome Center, we'd love to give you some information, but also at our Exchange Lounge, we'd love to connect with you and we have a class during second service every uh, second and fourth called Foundations. And that's all about, you have a relationship with Jesus, now let's help you with the what's next. So we'd love to connect with you there. We'd love to give you some information. We'd love for you to fill out that card. Give as much information you're comfortable with. Check the box saying, I'm choosing to follow Jesus. I'm gonna reach out to you. Other people are gonna reach out to you because we wanna help you. I know that from now until, until next week, the enemy's gonna tell you, mm, you were just emotional. Nah, you're just having a bad week. You, no, no. You, you gave your life to Jesus and now he wants to live and breathe in your life. And we wanna help you with that. Can I have you bow your heads one more time? Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, I am a Jesus person. I love Jesus, but man... I've been walking in insignificance. Uh, to the point, God has given me talents, he's given me abilities, he's, he's given me things that I have stepped out of because I don't think I'm good enough. And God says, exactly. But you're saying, you know what? I don't wanna walk in insignificance anymore. I want to walk in the significant that God is gonna birth out of me. If that's you, can I just have you raise your hand real quick? So Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, that our people who are not gonna walk away from what you're calling them to do. There are people, Jesus, who are not gonna turn their back on the abilities and capabilities that you've given them. So Lord, right now, we rebuke insignificance in the name of Jesus right now. We rebuke anything that will keep us from walking in the calling you have for us in the name of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that we'd have more people who would, be, would get in our community, that would get on a team, that would be a part of something because they're not walking in insignificance anymore. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That. The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you.